Sammy. Oh, thank you, Jill. Well, it's way to make me cry just before I uh, talk. <laughs> what a lovely introduction. Um, so I have just been at our in-person service doing this talk, and what a privilege to be able to stand in front of you all. Here, I can imagine your faces. I can imagine you all sat on your sofas or in your kitchen table, maybe outside in the garden, uh, maybe in your bedrooms, wherever you are. I can imagine you, but I could see people, and it was just the most privileged thing, and be able to hear people singing. Uh, we're continuing in this season uh, series sorry called growing up and we are trying to glean all that we can from scripture suck the meat off the bones if you will to look at what does it mean to become mature christians it's not something that we can just guess at it's not something that we can just be one day when we wake up it's something that we have to learn how to do and we have been um, through so many incredible topics throughout this sermon series. I'm just going to list some of them because it is exceptional. We've learned about the life of try. We've learned about self-denial, sharing our faith, exhibiting the fruits of the Spirit, becoming relationally mature. We've learned about loving Scripture. We've learned about being filled with the Holy Spirit and using His power. We've also learned about loving the church, being baptized, learning about humility, prayer, hearing God's voice, and last week we learned about joy. Wow, what a list of topics we've covered. I don't know about you, but it feels like we should go back over them frequently and watch and learn again. It got me thinking about what does it mean to grow? What does it actually mean to grow? And so like anyone would in a sermon prep, I looked up the definition of grow. And so for something that is living to grow, it means to undergo natural development by increasing in size and changing physically, or to become larger or greater over a period of time, it means to increase. Now, I'm not suggesting that by becoming mature Christians, we're actually gonna increase in size. I hope not. I mean, maybe COVID has done that to us a little bit, but, but that's not what I'm talking about here. But isn't it interesting the language it's using because it's using language of development language of increasing, changing. It's using language of becoming something, becoming greater over a period of time. And so today we're talking about serving. What does it mean to serve service? Why do we do it? What does scripture say about it? I wonder what that means for you. I don't think it can mean that we do more. What does growing in service mean? I don't think it can be that we get more busy or we say yes to more things. I don't think that's the kind of growth that Jesus would want for us. But if it's not that, then what is it? We're dropping in to a passage in Mark, Mark chapter 10. We're going to verse 42 so you can get it ready. Um, but I'm going to just give you a little bit of a backstory here as to where there are, because you see the disciples are on their way to Jerusalem with Jesus here. They're on their way to ultimately Jesus being convicted and um, going to the cross. And actually Jesus has been telling them about this and trying to kind of let them know what's coming as they go. But in true human nature style, the disciples haven't quite cottoned on to what it is Jesus is talking about. They can see that they live in a world of control in a world that the Roman Empire rules and it's quite aggressive, quite violent, and they um, exercise their authority over them often. And so when Jesus talks about going to a place where there's going to be victory, they're imagining that Jesus is gonna take up and take over the Roman Empire. 
And so this conversation begins amongst the disciples about who's going to be the best, who's going to get to sit next to Jesus when he's crowned king. And so they ask Jesus to grant them their wish as if he's like a genie in a bottle or something. And they say, which one of us will get to sit at your right and your left? Please, will it be me? In fact, one of the gospels reports that it's their mother that does the bargaining for them. And so they're asking Jesus, please, can we be most powerful with you, essentially? And Jesus is explaining, you can't do that. You don't understand what, what, you're being, what you're asking me to do. You can't do what I'm about to do, he goes on to say. It's a classic, almost kid scenario, because then the disciples, the rest of the disciples hear what's going on. And what ensues is what I can imagine to be a bit of a rammy, because they're like, well, how do you get more than me? I don't want you to have more than me. I want to sit at the right hand of Jesus. I'm obviously putting my own impression on scripture at this point, but it seems like that's what's happening. And so let's drop into this chapter, chapter 10 in Mark, verse 42. It says this. You know that those who are regarded as rulers of the Gentiles lord it over them, and their high officials exercise authority over them. Not so with you, says Jesus. Instead, whoever wants to become great among you must be your servant, and whoever wants to be first must be slave to all. For even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and give his life as a ransom for many and so here we see Jesus talking about the fact that even he came to serve to serve his father in heaven to serve the people that he loves not to be served or feel in a position of authority he uses the words not so with you so he's referring to the way in which the disciples and therefore we see authority, the way in which we see power, the way in which we relate to other people. And he's saying, don't be like that. Not so with you. He's showing them another way of being. In the kingdom of God, it's not about power or authority being exerted over people. It's about looking outwards and serving other people. Rick Warren, author of Purpose Driven Life, puts it like this. Jesus measured greatness in terms of service, not status. Let me just say that again. Jesus measured greatness in terms of service, not status. God determines your greatness by how many people you serve, not by how many serve you. This means that if we are followers of Jesus and if we want to pursue his kingdom, we're called to a life of service, not of self-centeredness. And that's my first point. But the tricky thing about this is that this season that we've been through with COVID and all that it's brought has actually made us turn inwards, hasn't it? We've gone through long spells of time where we've been locked down in our homes. We've had even all of our entertainment become in our homes, uh, on our TV screens or on all of our devices. Streaming um, services, both um, on TV and in music, report uh, 8 million increase by people subscribing to their services because we've had nothing else to do but watch box sets or documentaries or films um, over this season. Our entertainment has been within our homes. We've had nothing else to do except for online shopping. Online shopping has also seen a massive increase by 36.6%. Which when you think about it, given the amount of people that have decreased their wages through furlough or redundancy, that's actually a really significant increase. 
We've even been forced to watch church. And whilst we as a team, I believe, have done the best that we can, making ways for you to engage with us on the chat. I've seen lots of chat this morning. Well done, guys. Keep it going. Um, we've made ways for people to be prayed for over text. We even tried Zoom prayer for a while. Um, there have been ways that you can engage with us by sharing words and pictures with us over email. And it's been amazing, but it hasn't been the same, has it? It's forced us to be inward. And I believe actually the stress and the scale of this pandemic has caused us all, even the best of us, even the most humble of us, to turn inward and be a little self-centered. And I'm not saying that to shame anyone. I'm not, this is not a beat yourself up with a big stick moment. But if we as a church want to grow, then we need to know what our starting position is, don't we? We need to know where we're coming from. And I think in this season, all of us could be reflecting with Jesus about where we're at in terms of self-centeredness. Are we looking outward and towards Jesus and his people? Or are we looking inward towards our situation and what that means for us? You see, Jesus calls us to a life of service because he knows it's what's best for us. He knows that great things happen when we serve let me tell this little story of a new project that we've started in Ellen. It's where I'm um, one of the site pastors, and we've started a project called Space to Talk. And this project literally just is that. It's just a few people turning up to a place where lots of people walk past and offering people little bags of goodies. We call them bags of courage. And we just say, can I give you a bag of courage? In COVID times, it's hard. We just want to encourage everyone this morning. And then we have a conversation. And for some people, it's a very quick conversation because they're on their way somewhere. But guys, we've had the most incredible conversations. Even yesterday, I got the opportunity to pray with someone. People were telling me really significant things. And it's just one of the most precious things that we've done. But my favorite story from it is on week one, a brand new family to our church um, who moved here just at the tail end of last year. So right in the midst of all the drama of COVID, they moved from another country. Um, and so you can imagine how difficult that was for them to settle in and then suddenly having to homeschool as well and just all the chaos that COVID has brought. They find themselves in a new place as well as having to deal with everything that happened. And their eldest boy, his name's Morney. Hi, Morney. Uh, he came along and he watched the team having these conversations with strangers and his eyes lit up and he said, I want to do that. And so the team member that was there took him along with them to the next conversation and he handed over the bag and began this conversation with a complete stranger and student had this conversation and as he came back the team reports that he had the biggest smile on his face and he said to his parents that was the best thing I've done I want to do that again. You see, what serving does is it sparks something in us. It's almost like it realigns us with the Holy Spirit. It ignites something just like it did with morning. It takes our attention off of ourselves and onto other people. And that's why Jesus wants us to do it. My second point is that true greatness isn't afraid to get dirty. <laughs> Jesus explained that he did not come to be served. So even Jesus, he didn't come to be served but to, give, uh, to serve others and give his life for many. And the truth is, there's lots of people in the life of our church I could draw from in this setting, because if you're part of our church, you already know that we have an abundance of people who are exceptionally kind and generous, and they give up their time and their money and their gifts um, to 
help other people in so many ways, doing their gardens, cooking for them, cleaning for them, helping them with children, buying shopping. There's so much generosity and serving that does already go on in the life of our church. But one example stands out for them, from them all for me. It's of a couple who have been dear friends of ours in our church for since the very beginning. Um, this is a couple who we, those of us who've been around for a while would know who I'm talking about. One of them went home to be with Jesus just not that long ago. But this couple are the epitome of being servant-hearted. And the story I'm thinking of in this is when I came along to set up for mainly music one day at our Gilk Park building. And I thought, I'll get there early. I'll make sure the place is ready for the team coming in. And as I arrived, here was um, one of the couple outside sweeping up, picking up rubbish, getting soapy water and scrubbing up the grossness that was on the path outside and getting it ready, having already mopped the floors inside. And then the other one, when I went in, is up a really tall ladder changing light bulbs. <laughs> and, and for me, I just said to them, why? Why do you do that? And they said this. Because we love Jesus, and Jesus loves his church. And so we love this church building, and we get it ready to receive as many people through the doors of our church to welcome them to Jesus. That's why we do it. I mean, my mind was blown, because here was me relatively new to faith, relatively new to serving, and asking this retired couple who, let's face it, could be having a long lie every morning. I mean, who wouldn't be doing that? In my mind, that's what I thought. Like, why are they getting up early out of bed to do that? Why are they doing it in that way? So to hear that they do it because of their love of Jesus and because of their love of the church was just an incredible moment for my own faith. And you, you see, they had Jesus as the model for that. They looked to Jesus because when you look through the scriptures, particularly in the Gospels, you see Jesus down on his knees washing the disciples' feet. You see Jesus cooking breakfast for the disciples. You see Jesus touching leopards, lepers sorry, and being with people that he wouldn't, you know, not, no other people would be with. Jesus wasn't afraid to get dirty, and so nor should we be. In the vineyard, it's actually one of the things that we look for in good leaders is being servant-hearted. We have an acronym called FAST. We look for fast leaders. We look for them to be faithful, available, servant-hearted, and teachable. So it's a really important principle. I was reading a book this week called um, Spiritual Disciplines by Richard Forster, and it's, he says this. There is a difference between serving and having a servant heart. When we choose to serve... We're still in charge. We decide who and we decide, decide when we will serve. When we choose to be a servant, we give up the right to be in charge. And there's huge freedom in that. If we, if we voluntarily choose to be a servant, we surrender the right to decide who and when, and we become available. He also says of all the classical spiritual disciplines, service is the most conducive to growth in humility and in, and in maturity. And so in the words of Rick Warren, again, your service will reveal your maturity. So it seems to me like the picture's becoming a little bit clearer. What does it look like to grow in these things? It looks like having great love for Jesus and his church and his people looking outward from ourselves. And my last point is this. Our service can advance the kingdom. 
in verse 45 there, when Jesus said, I didn't come to be served, but to serve, he also said, and to give up my life for the ransom for many. What Jesus is talking about here is that he knows that he's on his way to the cross. He knows that his mission is about to be completed, fulfilled. He's stating that he is about to commit his final act of service on this earth. Uh, and what he's talking about is that in dying on the cross, he's going to make a way for all of us, for you and for me, to be in a relationship with our creator, our heavenly father, for it to be returned to how it was always intended to be. You see, if we rewind all the way back to Genesis in the very beginning, when we saw Adam and Eve in what we call the fall, using their free will to take a bite from the apple that God asked them not to take, we saw a shift and a divide created between us and God. We went from, as a human race, being able to be with God in his presence to suddenly being separated. You see, because our God is holy, he's perfect. He can't be in and around sin. And so for hundreds of years, all the way through the Old Testament, we had to do lots of things as a human race. We had to adhere to lots of rules and regulations and rituals to be able to cleanse ourselves and be even remotely in the presence of Jesus within the walls of uh, where the tabernacle was. And even then, only the high priest could be in the presence of God. We couldn't do that ourselves. Jesus knows that his serving is about to create that divide and make it much shorter. He's about to close the gap of that. And you see what he did on the cross, the veil was torn. The division between us was disintegrated in that moment. And so you and I now have instant access to our father. I mean, how incredible by Jesus serving in that way, something really significant happened in the kingdom. And I'm not getting heretical here. I'm not suggesting that my serving or your serving or anyone else's serving is going to have quite such an impact. But I am suggesting that by serving, something changes in the kingdom. I'll leave you with just this final story of someone I know who um, uh, is in part of our Ellen site. And he came to faith essentially through something that we did as a church to serve our community. You see, a couple of years ago, you might remember it, we did a Man of the Year award locally in our sites. And on social media, people would nominate men in the area who they thought deserved a prize or deserved some recognition and needed some encouragement. And so people began to nominate. And this one gentleman was the winner, name drawn at random out of a hat, or actually it was a spinning wheel. Um, and what he describes is, with hindsight is that he looks back at that moment now and realizes that his entire life changed direction. You see, just before that moment, he recognized that his life was in turmoil. Both his mental health and his phys physical health were just in a terrible place. And he had actually cried out to a God that he didn't know, saying, if you're real, I really need some evidence. I really need you to show me where you are. And what happened was this competition happened. He was declared a winner. And so someone from our church went along with a prize for him. Just some vouchers and some chocolate. And you would never imagine that something as small as that would have such a significant impact. But what he said was, I can't believe that someone from the church, a Christian, when I'm not a Christian, a Christian would come to my workplace and encourage me and be so kind. And then I can't believe that they would invite me to church. 
And so this person came along to church, really feeling like it wasn't the place for him, that he didn't belong there because he wasn't a member and he hadn't lived his life the way he maybe thought he should have. But what he experienced was a welcome home moment. He learned more about God. He learned more about the Holy Spirit. He did an alpha course and he gave his life to Jesus. He was filled with the Holy Spirit and we were able to baptize him just before COVID. I spoke to him just the other day and he is doing well. His life has turned quite significantly and he is still talking to Jesus to this day. You see, just a small act of kindness, just a tiny little bit of service and looking outward can change someone's life really significantly. So I believe, friends, that we are to, in the words of John Wesley, do all the good that we can by all the means that we can, in all the ways that we can, in all the places we can, at all the times we can, to all the people we can, for as long as we can. And that is greatness. So friends, this is a life learning process. If we want to grow in serving others, then the keys I can see from this scripture are that we are called to service, not self-centeredness, that true greatness gets dirty, and that our service can advance the kingdom. And so Father God, I just pray all of those things would become principles of ours and help us grow. I'm going to hand you over to Ali now, who's going to pray for us. Yeah, thank you, Tammy. 